0: This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max on 11.16, SEN, where today I'm joined on your Sunday morning feed with Hoop City Pro Coach. He's played for Melbourne United and is currently with NBL1 team, the Frankston Blues, Dylan Stith, Dylan, it's great to have you on, man. How you doing?
1: Thank you, Max. Um, Very exciting to be on here. Very exciting to do this with you. And uh, it's been, obviously, been a little while coming. You know, we've been talking about it for some time. So happy we can finally make it happen this morning.
0: I have one guest uh, last week, Corey McKernan, and we've been trying to get an interview set up for almost a year, yeah. <laughs> and so when <laughs> you can finally get one set up, it's pretty funny. So
1: basically two weeks is nothing. Yeah,
0: two weeks, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now Dylan, I want to sort of start off with talking about what was your childhood like for you?
1: Uh, what was my childhood like? That's uh, I mean, there's a lot of directions I can go with that, right? But born in America in. In a small town, Bedford, Virginia, like really small, and the, um, in the Blue Ridge Mountains, uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't city-like, it wasn't, you know, the bright lights and, and um, like, a Melbourne, you know, so it was really quiet was A the town built on the sports, um, and, you know, it was a lot of pride in, like, the, the high school football team, you know, as you can kind of imagine, like one of those towns. Um, and, you know, I played basketball, football, and baseball and in, uh, in, in um, high schools. And loved, loved them all the same. Um, so hit a bit of a growth spurt in basketball in the United States. Around the same time, my brother, um, a bit older than me, he was finishing up college, and then hit it to Spain to play professionally, actually. Um, even had a, had a few summer league, uh, goes with, with NBA teams. So, so I started, I started to think to myself, to off basketball is the the, the the path for, that's me. for me. Um, so, so I kind of had a boyfriend ahead of me, but, but I, you know, know right. I I love my, my sport. sport. You know, I I love smudges. You know, I, I love so so those friend groups, and My dad would take me to the park. You know, he would, he would pitch a whole he would pitch a bucket, bucket of baseballs, baseballs, baseballs to, me <laughs> to me, and I would you know, <laughs> so just, and there, this, this, this is where they, you know, my dad didn't have one of those laps. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I had a of the baseball. Yeah, yeah. He So, you know, I had a lot of memory, you know. It was always a very, very loving family. I had an older brother, the brother, the father, Mm-hmm. Was yeah, yeah. So what's your model laws of Mars Uh, well, well, it just feels, it just feels like a It feels yeah. like light hidden. Yeah. We're out, we're where 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 we're from, from, where from, from, from there's you, know, you know, like a lot of there's a lot of icons, So someone yeah, someone who's yeah, really, really close to us thousand. So so around around this is this is you know for me two thousand one to one to three three non eleven
0: twelve. Yeah, yeah, like s like
1: sit out. It to me
0: to me it just like a normal moment, like this is the guy
1: he was coming guy who came from my area, my area and, yeah, yeah. And, and I just, and I just, you know, when he got broke, broke out, he the same. to gave my the, same, mind, like, him, the film, um, stuff. I'm like 13, 13 14, 14, That's when, you know, same, the same, age same age, I see yeah. a lot of people turning around and yeah, yeah. in yeah. Yeah. Um, that That yeah. was me I was not had high grades and I had and all that. So it a different era but that's when I really, really do you, remember, do you remember your personal organized match for basketball or pick-up game? Um, um, well, well, we had, I guess, I mean, there's I mean, was really, really young, know, organized, like, we don't have domestic you know, or rep in America. We just have local recreational leagues, one YMCA yeah. leagues, and then you make it to school ball. And, and I remember my right. in one of the rec leagues, and not many teams, yeah. Not, yeah. Many not many players, players play. in the league he even <laughs> shot three pointers back then. There's no one why. I don't remember one on my team that shot threes except me, who I was like obsessed with trying to shoot threes. As a kid is. Yeah, but now it wasn't like yeah. that. I kid you not. You know, with like yeah. Alan yeah. Iverson, Kobe, Jordan, Shaq. Like, these were like, we all wanted to make fancy up and under layups or dunk on small rings. But I I remember one game specifically hitting a three when there probably wasn't a three hit all season. And we were down three and we needed a three. And I shot this like three where I fell over just to get the ball to the ring. Yeah. And we made it. That <laughs> will I made it. Um, and it was all recorded on VHS.
0: <laughs> but
1: I can't find it. It's somewhere in my grandma's basement. So yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was high school like? For you were I in mean, the balance of, um, basketball and schoolwork. Uh,
1: the balance. Um, high schools. High school was you know it was fun. It was awesome. It was a uh, I had great, great mentors. Like it was the fun thing of playing three sports. You, you know, you get a, you get different coaches in all three. You get different sets of teammates. Football, you got forty people on your roster. Basketball, you got twelve. Yeah. You know, baseball, twenty. So like, you get a different feel, different environment for all of them. Um, and and that balance with, with school, it, it kind of gave it gave me. I mean, everyone has their own drive, but it, it probably helped facilitate a little more energy for academics for me. Um, And, you know, I, it prepared me for, I'm sure we'll get into it a bit later, but it prepared me for going into college where I actually, where I truly hit like another gear in in enjoying the academic component of school. You know, in high school, you're just kind of floating through and you're, you know, here it's a little bit different. You know, in Australia, it's a little different academically. Um, in America, having that having that sport to drive helped me like lock into my academics because I, um, I knew I knew I had an incentive. I wasn't going to play <laughs> if I didn't get <laughs> yeah. my grades in order. So, um, but that they, however it started, it ended up you know. And fast forward to college, like I said, I'm sure we're going to get into it. But fast forward to college, you know, and I'm leading study groups for you know as a senior for a lot of the team for a lot of the players just because. You know I, I created some really good habits in university, but um that drive probably started with with sport
0: so you mentioned that um sort of forty players on a football team or uh, and then compared to twelve on a basketball team um, how does that sort of uh, how do I put this i guess make you have a stronger bond or better relationship with your teammates having that that's, that's a good question
1: very good squad. question um so you it's a different culture, right? Like the football culture versus—it's probably similar to here with footy, but the football culture versus the basketball culture is just a bit different. Like on the football team, there could be some guys you just don't speak with. Yeah, that yeah much. exactly. Yeah, it is. But then, let's say you're on the you're on the field. Let's say it's a kickoff, and and there's like a big hit that happens, and this is a guy you don't you know you rarely talk to, probably the least amount out of everyone. And if he and if there's a cheap shot, you know, if he he takes a, a blindside hit. You find yourself, you know, checking that other guy. You, you get, you come to the other guy, like you know, watch out, or you bump him Small yeah, things like yeah. that, nothing extensive, but you realize it's a bit of a, you know, it's a, you're, you're a family when you when you share that uniform. When you mm-hmm. you share that, you learn. Um, the teams that win are the teams that have a bond. You know, they may not always express it, and some may express it better, but they always are willing to protect each other, and they're always willing to. You know, sacrifice for each other, and if you look at any any sport, whether it has sixty some people on the roster, like a college football team, or three on a, on you know mm-hmm. on some on a three x three team or four, you have to you have to find a way to be willing to sacrifice and put yourself on the line for your teammate.
0: Now you're a two time letterman and senior captain, while sort of earning our oldest District and second team All Honors awards. Um, what was it like? I mean, everyone says basketballs and sports people say you know awards mean nothing unless you're winning championships but surely that's got to mean something to you
1: flashback friday i forgot about those awards <laughs> man I was, I was 18 16 um yeah uh when well when you're when you're young when you're young i'm older i'm a bit older now as into yeah. my career and yeah. and, and it's 100 winning it's not it's not enjoyable if you're not winning and don't get me wrong; it wasn't like I was. I've always been that way. I've always, it's always mattered to win more than than individual accolades. However, when you're really young on your basketball journey, and you and for the first time you are able to receive an accolade, it can be a good motivating factor, um, you know, because you don't realize because you've just been practicing and and doing this, and the coach is telling you on the line, you're running sprints, and you know, and then finally, you know, there's a, a acknowledgement from the coaches. You could be your sophomore year, your tenth, tenth grade year, eleventh grade year in high school, and there's acknowledgement from the league coaches, or acknowledgement from that we actually had a AP, which is like you know, a press yeah.
0: for yeah. Virginia High
1: School VHS. And when you get that acknowledgement, it's 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 motivating, and it's like, oh, you know, I'm doing something, and people are actually noticing um so it did it, it is a nice feeling when you're young but then you know you get to college you become a pro you know and you mature your game matures and and you understand you know when you look back at it you know because it happens fast and you don't remember those games and seasons where it ended on losses you don't remember them as well yeah. as you remember <laughs> the ones that ended with championships
0: um so how did you get the opportunity to go to college at St Vincents
1: um a bit of fortune. My, uh, (laughs) I had a a, a few schools looking at me, Um, and this is probably one of the negative things that comes with being from a really, really small town, there's no exposure. Mm -hmm. Um, I I know now, well, I I look at it now, and if I were in a, you know, more glamorous city, (laughs) <laughs> or if I'm from Pittsburgh or New York and, and, you know, I'm making a few plays and there's college coaches who are just, you know, 30-minute drive away, so they just pop down and they have a look and, like, this is our guy, blah, blah, blah. When you're just tucked away in the hills, the Blue Ridge Hills of, of southern Virginia, you're not going to get too many uh, scouts. So, granted, the best will always find a way, but, you know, my area, it was, it was tough. You kind of needed a bit of uh, some assistance. But my brother, my brother... Um, you know he, you know he's a bit of a saving grace for me because he finished playing pro, and he could have played another couple of years. He retired and came back.
0: How much older is your brother than you? Eight years. Eight years old.
1: So he retired early, came back to be an assistant coach at his alma mater, St. Vincent, because um, he, you know, he wanted to go to grad school and, and get and get his uh, masters. And he also wanted to help be an assistant coach for me. Mm-hmm. So, and he actually convinced, this is a story a lot of people don't know, so he convinced um, the head coach, D.P. Harris, he convinced D.P. Harris to have a look at me. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. before D.P. was like, who, your, your little brother? Because I used to come around for summer camps and stuff. Yeah. I'd come up there. Yeah. And he goes, is your, your brother, what, he's about to graduate high school? And Jeff's like, yeah, you should have a look. So they drive seven hours down to watch me practice. No, to watch a game. Sorry, this is the regional final, so this yeah, is like yeah. the elite eight in high school, big game. And I was, you know, that was one I was all district or I think you said earlier, and I had two points that game, and I had a, mo- it was a monster dunk, it was really <laughs> <a> nice dunk. <laughs> I jumped from super far away, man. It was N one all this MJ night. dunk. Yeah, but I had and I had two points. I kid you not. And my brother tells me all the time, he goes, you know what it's like to ride back with a head coach eight hours after, or six hours, after just watching your little brother, who you were speaking about for the last six hours, score two points? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, look, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't the plan. It wasn't the plan. But um, but yeah, they ended up taking, he took a chance on me. Um, and it was a slow start to it all. Freshman year was a grind. Sophomore year was a grind. Um I didn't break through the starting lineup or really break through the big minutes until halfway through my junior year. Um, so I just had to chip away and pluck away. And then my senior year, you know, I had, I had a breakout year. It was conference player of the year, all American. So it kind of all happened super, super fast. Um, in terms of, you know, going from that role player, that introductory level college basketball player to, you know, being an all American, like it's, it's one of those things where you, it, A lot of things have to happen and go right at one time
0: um so what was your sort of college experience like if you went settling into college you said um you know your freshman year and sophomore year were a grind
1: it was definitely a grind in adjusting to schedule you know for the first time Mm -hmm. your your, you know your parents aren't just dropping you off where you need to be when you need to be there (laughs) so all of a sudden it's like wait I have to get there at what time you know it's a, it's it's good because it teaches you you know responsibility it's character really. building accountability absolutely and you have to and you're going through that with with and with friends who are doing the, or trying to figure it out as well so it's such a you know nurturing and blossoming environment it can be tough as well i mean i look back at it now and you know I'm so thankful for that time. Like those memories are, are so exciting. Um, and then you know you're learning this, you're going to you're going to classes, and you're, you're learning this responsibility. And then you're going to basketball practice, yep. and you're getting yep. just berated, and you're sprinting left and right, running this, running this, and you're you know you're if you got to play wrong, you're running laps around the gym holding yeah. dumbbells <laughs> above your shoulders. So um, nah, it was uh, yeah, it was it was tough to get through. Um, but it really helps build character, and it's something I'm very thankful for.
0: What degree did you study in college?
1: I did political science, and I have a minor in sociology and a minor in philosophy.
0: Was that something to sort of fall back on if basketball didn't work out?
1: Yeah, well, I never planned on basketball to work out, to be yeah. honest. It wasn't like, you know, you may hear some people say, you know, I always, I always planned on being a pro, Um and I always and I didn't even always plan on playing college basketball like mm-hmm. if it weren't for my brother coming back and taking me out from high school and you know giving you yeah. know trying to get that opportunity i wouldn't have i didn't see myself being a college basketball player then when I get to college, you know my freshman year playing like five minutes division three school you know my, the, I wasn't thinking about oh I'm going to play pro I'm just thinking I just need to get to class on time right yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so I just uh, you know I thought about different degrees. I thought you know do I go? Or do I want to be a teacher? My mom was a teacher. Um, my brother works in education, albeit he you know vice president of, of um, that, that Saint Vincent. He's actually the vice president of Saint Vincent right now. Um, so I always wanted to be in education. Um, but you know I also also love I love my history. I love my government, and um, I went to do political science undergrad so that I could go to law school afterwards. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my classmates who uh, did political science with me, they all they all finished their law degrees now. So that was that was ended up being the plan. And in America, you can go into uni undeclared. So I didn't declare that till my sophomore year.
0: Um. So in your third year, you were in the all uh, in the sorry the second team PAC. Um. And in your last year, which I think is your senior year in college, um, you were all PA, you were PAC Player mm-hmm. of the Year. Um. What was that like for you and having um, I saw a sort of massively standout year for you.
1: Well, um, shout out the uh, PAC, the PAC coaches for voting me, my junior year voting me second team all-conference because I didn't start. I only played <laughs> like 15 minutes a game. I wish those coaches would have told my coach. Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, and my senior year, uh, man, I look back at my senior year now and it was... You know, it was so, so fun. We won the conference championship my junior year. Mm-hmm. When we first got there, when my class, you know, it was, it was four of us, um, ended up being only three of us by my senior year. But when when we, when us four landed on campus, our record, the year before we got there, the, the record was nine and 21.
0: Wow.
1: And then our freshman year, um, as a club as a school we went 500 so we split and then my sophomore year when when our class started to play i don't want to give us too much credit but when we started to play we we turned the record to like we reversed it it was 21 and nine yeah so we always (laughs) like brag about how we flipped the record and then um our junior and senior year we you know didn't lose more than like six seven games won back-to-back conference championships and unfortunately, we lost in opening rounds of the NCAA tournament. But, you know, we got to bring home the hardware of the conference championship. We got to, you know, we got to celebrate that. And, and those are some special moments because I look back now and there's some, you know, YouTube and video and stuff of, of you know, them storming the court after we won the conference yeah. championship. So two years <laughs> in a row getting that experience of a court storming and, and um, you know, feeling that you brought a, the school a championship. And for a week straight, you're like, you know, you're a bit of a hero because you brought <laughs> home some hardware for the school. That's, a man, those are some special, special moments. And I was just fortunate I got to be, you know, a, a captain and, and one of the leaders on that team. That was just so exciting.
0: So how do you go about moving on from college? I mean, um, I guess when you've had your graduation and everything like that, um, you're finished, where do you look to next?
1: So, you know, I guess this is something for, you know, Australians here or anyone who's you pursuing that university pathway. Um, or or any you know, anything like that you're 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 after and you're unsure about, you never know when opportunities come, you know, and, and I'm sure you probably you've spoken with so many people, you probably start to learn that a lot of it is about being prepared for when an opportunity presents mm. itself. Mm. Um, yeah, you gotta. Yeah, you want to go get it, but you're not. It's not always going to align right. Things have to happen for you. But then, are you prepared to capitalize on those opportunities? Um, and when you play Division three, you don't think, okay, opportunities to play pro is not really one of those opportunities that you believe is just going to flow your way. But I played in the D I played in the All American game, and I had some agents reach out to me, and. Um, I ended up signing with an agent. They said they were going to get me into Europe. I was, you know, excited about it. And sure enough, when the time came down to it, there were no clubs who were willing to take a chance on, you know, a Division Three player, albeit, you know, All-American and had some, you know, good stats. They just weren't willing to take it. They'd rather take a chance on a Division One player who doesn't even yeah. play. Yeah. And I'm like, well, they don't even have any experience on the court. I mean, they haven't were they have four years of not <laughs> even touching the court. But, um, you know, that's just... The way it goes, you know, a lot of times. So, so then I realized, you know, it's gonna have to. I'm gonna have to make some moves myself. And I had a friend suggest to me that we should just do a tryout. So we did a tryout, and we, you know, we did really well in the tryout. It was pretty doggy dog environment, but we were looking out for each other. Right? Where we throwing lobs to each other off the backboard, <laughs> like we're having fun with it. And um, we we brought a bit of you know energy to the team. So I ended up ended up coming over here on a on a tour team. And, you know, we played against clubs that didn't have imports. This is in Siebel.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, and and a lot of people also don't realise Mark Brackey, who we don't even speak about actually, but he was the one who saw He doesn't playing. get
0: spoken about enough, Mark Brackey, in the yeah. media or anywhere anymore. It's I mean, so back, funny. back in the day, he was like all over the media, you know, um, South East Melbourne Magic, Melbourne Tigers, yep. um, the rivalry and... They'll put a bit bit of extra juice on it yeah. through the media, and
1: yeah. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a bit of a legend, man. Um, and uh, yeah, he mentioned to Andrew Gaze about me. He said you should have a look at him, have him come down. And I remember Andrew Gaze, uh He contacted me, and I called my brother. I said, "Hey, bro, you know, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, I think I have a chance, you know, to play pro." Uh, albeit, you know, for the Melbourne Tigers, it's it's big V, but it's an opportunity for me. And I never, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I came over here just wanting an opportunity. And I remember calling my brother saying, hey, bro, some guy named Andrew Gaze or whatever wants me <laughs> to... <laughs> some guy, some guy.
0: <laughs> didn't know who he was. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah.
1: But, but the funny thing is my brother knew who he was. Yeah. Um, he goes, he goes, um, Andrew Gaze, really? He's like, he goes, he's the best player in Australian basketball history. And I was like, oh, okay, so... You know, I'm then I'm googling right away. You know, I just came over here. I didn't even have unless that my phone had Wi-Fi. I wasn't. I couldn't even Google. So like, I'm, I'm like finding Wi-Fi just to Google because I'm like excited now. Um, and uh, and yeah, and I met Andrew Gaze, and uh, he he he. That's another thing a lot of people don't realize. Like, if it wasn't for you know Andrew Gaze taking that chance on me my first year, um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here. So you know, I'm pretty fortunate that I get a cosign from, you know, one of the best to ever do it.
0: So, when Andrew Gaze walks up to you and, you know, pretty much hands you a contract to play Big V with the Melbourne Tigers, what's that like?
1: Um, that's a good question, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not a, it wasn't anything to, um, it wasn't anything that was, that was life-changing, let's put it like that, but was it life-changing as an opportunity? Absolutely. Right, so um, when you finally, it doesn't matter what, how much money it is. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what the role is. When you, when you've, when you've done something, you know, your whole life, and you've enjoyed it, and you've loved it, and you have pursued it, albeit all always understanding that it's a dream. It's not. You know, it's a dream that would be tough to make into reality, but if it becomes a reality, then you got to, you know, count your blessings. And and when there's nothing like calling, you know, back home yeah. to tell your family yeah. and friends that, um, oh, yeah, I'm, I won't be coming back next week. I'll actually – I'm a pro basketball player now. Mm-hmm. You know, so <laughs> it was – What was a, your family's reaction when you told them that? Uh, oh, man, it was just – it just meant a lot, you know, and I'm, and I'm glad you asked the question because I, I think, you know, I'm so I'm so into, you know, my basketball journey here in Australia and these, you know, several years now that I often don't really think about, I, you know, there was a time where I wasn't going to play basketball. You know, I was working at um, Delphi Village, which is a, a group home in Pittsburgh, right before I went, and... And I was, you know, I was ready to go back and finish doing that. Um, And, you know, I was, it was a good, it was a, I enjoyed the job. You know, I was a mentor for, 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 for kids who in the Pittsburgh area that, you know, had troubled childhoods. And, you know, that, I felt like, okay, that was a bit of a calling for me. Like, as I said before, like, I always want to work in education a bit. And I was going to go back, go to school and do that. And then I was like, you know what, if I take a, you a know, few year holiday and just play pro basketball during this time it wouldn't be too bad, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be too shabby so uh, you know that few years turned into to six I guess and um <laughs> I uh, yeah it was it was exciting to call back and say you know um I uh, have a new journey a new calling.
0: Did Gazy have any um idea at the time that you didn't have really much of a concept of who he was?
1: Uh Nah, I doubt it. I doubt <laughs> <Yeah>. it. Look, <laughs> Andrew Gaze, at because we went to practice. The practice was at Albert Park. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like, at that, home. Exactly. That's my point. I don't think you can. I don't think it's fathomable to walk in Albert Park and see Andrew Gaze and say, "Oh yeah, who are you again?" Yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I think I'm pretty sure I would have kept it to myself after hitting up Google. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those were uh, those are some fun times, Andrew Gaze.
0: Um, a lot of American basketball players like Corey Holmes and Williams. I um, said the basketball you know he's get from everything in America and things like that mm-hmm. um, especially he lived in New York Um, Xavier Rathamaze from Illawarra Hawks um, says and it's on the NBL add to that you know it's his sa- it was just his sanctuary what was basketball mm-hmm. for you?
1: Uh, it was yeah it, it very similar very similar to that it was um, but like I said before it's uh, my passion for basketball like I it's t- thousand percent grown but it was always for me it was always my passion for just sport in general mm. and i've all like i just love i love the the you know the camaraderie that comes out of a sport i love i love the you know i look at it now and i like the innocence in it right like there's you know there's not much that can happen unless you know somebody puts in that extra work yeah, yeah. you know you can't just kind of float through and drift through and and have the results Um, you know there's it's 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 a gritty thing that that has always been a part of my life and I look at it and it's really helped me have a good outlook on on a lot of things so I feel like it's always been there for me
0: what was the difference that you noticed first up um between playing in America and Australia
1: basketball it's really like when you first get here it's different oh my (laughs) gosh it's different is like
0: it, is it more of a sort of um, defensive style of play?
1: Yes, definitely yeah. more defensive, hundred percent more defensive. Um, and the offense is it's more about m- ball movement than creating for yourself. Um, granted, everyone in America thinks that they're LeBron James. It's more
0: of a team game.
1: Yes, yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> team game. Um, the ball moves, the ball zips. You know, IQ Australian basketball IQ is very high. Team. IQ is very high. American basketball individual um, skill sets are, are high, right? So, you know, you 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 learn the game through a different lens coming up in America. But then it's the thing that that catches people off guard the most is the way it's officiated. It's just it's just different, you know. And here it's more physical. In different ways, mm-hmm. but then when you're, when you're on the ball, like it's really like like if you just get the smallest tap on the wrist, it's like a foul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in America, it's like, you know, you it's not as physical off the ball, but then on the ball, you can get away with way more. So uh, yeah, it's just it's just different, you know. And it and it takes adjusting. You watch any American come out playing the NBL that first couple games or play NBL one that first couple games. You're going to find them, like, there's going to be moments where they're looking like, you know, they're looking like a meme where they're just looking around like, what's going on? Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, and everyone's like, what, what do you, you know? You've never played basketball
1: before? And he's like, yeah. no, I haven't played this basketball. I was like, get back on the defense. <laughs> so, um, it, yeah, it's unique when you first get out. It's really unique.
0: Um, So then why did you sort of decide to leave the Melbourne Tigers and go to the McKinnon C- Cougars in, I think it might have been 2016?
1: Yep. Yeah, 2016. Um, so I, after my Tigers year, you know, I, I spoke with, spoke with gays. I was pretty close with Copeland then to Lenard Copeland. And he was actually coaching at Hume City. Then Hume City Broncos brought Meadows. I yeah. spoke with him. I was, I was close to going to, to play there as well. Um, and don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the Tigers, but, um, you know, I just was, you know, I was just seeing what else was out there because this is my first year. And I just didn't know. Am I? You know, I want to want to be in a position to to you know continue not playing. Yeah, continue playing and enjoy a new environment. And see if there's better environments as well. And then I remember you know late, like pretty close to before I needed to make a decision, I took a train to like Bentley and I met with um, or Brighton actually, and met with um, Allison Cody, who now works basketball Australia, but she was GM of McKinnon then. And, I, and when I met with her, it was like, it was like this is the place I need to go. Yeah, like yeah. she, she just had you know this great. She brought the club up pretty far from you know a division two club, division two mm-hmm. big V, and they were you know soaring high. They just made it from D one championship to the state championship state championship big V mm-hmm. in like mm-hmm. two years, and um, and like they're really big on. Like com- like family and looking out for each other, and when you're so far away from home, you need. love the professional environment. Don't get me wrong, yep. but you also exactly you also need family. You need that crew that will look out for you and make sure you know. Because at the end of the day, yeah, you play you're playing basketball, but you're also living your life.
0: So you've experienced the difference between NBL um, and MBL one. What's that? Um, I guess step down from the MBL life.
1: It's pretty significant. Um, it, albeit it's way closer of a gap than it used to be, I would say. Um, I'm not, sh- you know, Siebel days was was a bit different, but but yeah, NBL they uh, it's so good now, man.
0: Mm.
1: You know my you know my years my years in NBL, it's, you know it's like lame- it's Lamella Ball, like R.J. You know, Hampton, R.J. Hampton, it's you know Casper Casper and Casperware having, you know.
0: 30 point games 30 point
1: games yeah like massive um, so and, and you know Sean Long and and Perth with Damian Martin you know Bryce Cotton Tariq White, like Miles Plumley, like this it's, it was so good and it still is don't get me wrong but it's just like it's not far from from the best league in the world and one of the you know special moments for me that helped me kind of bring it all together and realize is playing with Melbourne United against Oklahoma City Thunder, mm. right? So, like, being lucky and – well, not lucky enough, I guess you could say, putting myself in a position and then being fortunate enough to get that call up.
0: How, how did that happen?
1: So, I – I um, you know, I was just training with Melbourne United and, and um, you know, grinding, like, plucking away and giving them all every practice – and and then um, Casey Prather, unfortunately, went down with injury. Mm. And this was like a week before uh, – not, not a week, sorry. This was like four days before the season opener. Oh. So it <laughs> felt bad for him. He was out for, you know, a bit. and
0: Yeah, he was. He was out until, like, finals pretty much.
1: Yeah, well, he ended up being in and out and in and yeah, out.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, he had an injury pun season that year. And um, uh, granted, he went on and, you know, ended up getting MVP of the Israeli league – a year later, two years later, so like you know, he brought things back together and finished strong. But, um, but yeah, Dean called me like three days before the f- home opener against Phoenix, and this is Phoenix's like first ever yeah, game. Yeah, it's the first game, yeah. And he goes, um, you know, any any chance you'll be free on the weekend? I was like, she damn right I'll be free on the weekend. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, obviously, it was rhetorical, but um, you know, I was I, I was definitely ready to rock and roll. Like we had been. Grinding so hard in that preseason, and I was and you know I was enjoying being a part of the group. So then playing those few games, we went out to Perth, game two, and it was that banner night. So like I'm playing Phoenix first every game. I remember going to play against Perth on banner night, yeah. packed house, yeah. and man, that environment <laughs> was sick, you know. And we ended up they ended up hitting a buzzer not a buzzer beater, but Tarika White hit a three with like three seconds left to oh. go up one. We were up two, you know. I played. You know, played 17 minutes or 18 minutes, that game, just short of 20. And um, that was, you know, that was on Monday. Thursday, I didn't plan on playing (laughs) that game, you know what I mean? So staying ready and having the opportunity. And then, you know, that next – because the NBA, NBL games, they weren't preseason for the NBL. That was about three games in. So then we – went. it was preseason NBA. So then we went over Oklahoma City – small really small city a lot of people don't realize how small it is super small and stepped on you know stepped out onto that court and you know the size of of like like stephen adams is ridiculous yeah yeah. okay like he, he's he's so <laughs> like his like his hands and like his head like he's just a big dude um and he's the nicest guy but he's like there's no, like, I don't see how anyone could get a rebound around him. Like, I, I look at him, and I look at, like, the scenarios where the ball's coming off, and I'm, like, right next to him, and I'm, like, hundred out of 100 rebounds, I might get one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then you look at an NBA game,
1: and you watch if there's any – the only rebounds he doesn't get is if he's not there. Yeah, yeah. If, he, if it's him and someone else battling, there's no one that's going to win that battle. Like, no one in the NBA.
0: Maybe ta- <laughs> maybe Taco falls. <for> <laughs> maybe then one Taco
1: Maybe the hero taco, um, but yeah, you realize the NBA teams because we only lost by, a, you know, we lost. Yeah, by you one. lost
0: by a couple of points. I was, yeah. I, I was watching that. I think it was one morning before school. I was yeah. like, three or four, and we're trying to. Mom's like rushing us out the door. I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm like, I'm staying here just just one more minute. <laughs> I got to see the end of this game.
1: Yeah, that's right. Do you, do you, I know, I know, everyone listening knows this already. But do you hear that, guys? The the NBL, first NVL NBA game. Max is grade three or four watching him before school. Yeah. We'll now look at him go, it's pretty impressive, man. So
0: what was impressive. that like for you to play against uh, you know, NBA guys like Steven Adams?
1: Um, it was a dream come true. I mean, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook and Paul George were on that court, right. And for me, LeBron James has always been my favorite player. Someone's going white upstairs. Huh? Yeah, so someone's going white. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a that's a, that you'll that'll trigger something. Um yeah. LeBron's always been my favorite player, so that Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, like, that draft class. So, Melo's always been, like, in the, you know, he's always been a part of my, like, basketball, you know, mentorship. Yeah. yeah. I've always looked at him as, like, man, he is so impressive to me. And being on the court with him, you, there's, some, there's, a, there's a few things that you would never know unless you saw him in person, right? So, like, Russell Westbrook, he's fast as lightning, of course. hmm so between Russell, Carmelo, and PG, like, Mello's Carmelo—not Melo Ball—but Carmelo's handle is so smooth. Um, like his his individual moves for separation are better than than PG and Russ, right? Yeah, yeah. His his he's bigger than them. He's taller and stronger and wider, and his jump shot is like the smoothest thing I've ever seen, right? So I'm, like, looking at this guy like, is that, like, is that real? <laughs> like, how does he move like that? Um, but, and you, but you learn, you know, there's levels. So, like, the superstars in the NBA, you know, one thing I got from those experiences, because, you know, I end up playing against the Kings and Clippers in the years later. But one of those things you learn from those experiences are the superstars in the NBA, the difference between them versus the role players in the NBA is the same distance between Them and NBL players. There are NBL players that could easily slide into some of those roles for role players in the NBA. That is just a you know an aspect of of timing, opportunity, and role. Some guys come in as jacks of all trades and end up becoming just a sharpshooter. Some come in as as, you know a scorer and they end up just becoming a defensive player. It's their ability to slot into these roles. There's a lot of NBL guys that could slot into those. It's someone like a Chris
0: Golding I mean, he's unfortunate that. He hasn't got the opportunity to um, mm. pursue an NBA dream. I mean, he—I think he had maybe had a tryout of yep. five or so years ago with the Dallas Mavericks, yeah. um, and unfortunately couldn't get that job. But what do you think? I mean, do you think like right now um, he could still go to the NBA?
1: Um, well, just recently, you know, he was with he was with the Warriors, mm. you know, with, with um, you know trying to get that last roster spot, you know, and these and this mm. isn't like. Him, you know, battling up, trying to fight these fight for these positions. These are clubs who want him. You know, Steve Kerr wanted him at yeah, practice. Yeah. You know, so um, you're, you're talking about a you're talking about a guy who's hands down, you know, one of the top shooters in the entire world. Like I say that confidently, like one of the best shooters in the world. So timing means a lot. You know, I look at it like if he was if he was um, just coming up now, the way the game is played, it's it's so offensively inclined in the NBA now. It doesn't matter, you know, size, skill, position. It's it size or position. It just, just can matters, you can you score? And he's such a great scorer, like an elite-level scorer. Um, you know, the timing, the timing of it all, it's, you know, he's almost caught in the space and a little bit in between. So mm-hmm. now as he's more of a mature player, that happens to be the time where the NBA could use him more than ever so the so you know you're not going to find as many teams willing to invest into him it would have to be a team that's in a win now mode that wants to bring in a you know a guy who's one of the best shooters in the world that can come in and elevate that team like right now so there are teams I think there still will be uh, you know a couple other potential opportunities for him but in the meantime you know if there's if there's anything to hang your hat on it's a you know it's a it's a medal you know he's a He's one of the best shooters in the world and he's, um, you know, he's an Olympian and he's a medalist. It's pretty special.
0: One thing that just sort of shocks me <clears throat> year after year is when the NBL get like more superstars in the league from mm-hmm. the NBA, um, you know, like LaMelo Ball who's gone in the NBA. Um, Josh Giddey um, comes, uh, not doesn't come, but decides to, you know, stay in Australia yeah. and go on to college. Um, and now the what he's doing in the NBA, Matthew Dover, mm. um, Ryan Brokoff, all these kinds of guys, and RJ and Lamella obviously doing great things in the NBA at their respective clubs. What's that like for you? I mean, do you still do you have that shock like when you see um, someone like a Delhi choose to you know come to come to Melbourne United um,
1: on, on a
0: three-year deal? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think uh, it's 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 reflective of how how much how good and how great the NBL is and how good and great basketball in Australia is, right? Like, you know, one of the other names of all these people that we just named, you know, Deshaun Tate, like he's absolutely killing it with the Rockets. And when he was with the Sydney Kings, you know, he he was he was like a force and you think, is he is he can he fit in the NBA? And then he goes and it's like Of course he's <laughs> yeah. in the NBA. Um, one thing in the NBA versus Australia You know, a lot of some for younger listeners that may not know, but um, you know, there's defensive three seconds, right? So in the NBA, defensive three seconds, you know, the the the, a center or whoever can't protect the paint without clearing the key or touching another player to clear his key, touching off the player. They can't stay in the paint for more than three seconds. So the game and the court is more open, and then you have a deeper three point line, which creates even more space because you have longer closeouts. So when you have a guy like uh Deshaun Tate who's like a bowling ball, and he's finding his ability to carve through a defense where, you know, you got guys like Andrew Bogut who come to the NBL and don't even move; they just stand yeah. out of the basket, right? <laughs> if you can score on that, then you can score. You can find a way to score at the in, at the NBA, and then a guy like Josh Giddy, he's carving up defenses in the NBL with and and Lamelo Ball carving up defenses with. With that, That's you know a shorter three-point line, no defensive three seconds, everything is more clustered. So if you have the ability and vision to dice through that with either your scoring or your passing, open that court up, mm-hmm. and it's like, wait a second, where's the help defender? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: and that's why you see them having you know, a bit of uber success. With all that being said, the, the number one reason is because they're ultra, ultra talented players. Um, and Lamella chose to come to Australia because it's clearly a, you know, a, a perfect opportunity to prepare for the NBA instead of, you know, going to a, going to a Europe where you might be in a foreign language speaking a different language sure, than English. Sure. Sorry. Um, and, and you might find yourself in a situation where it's a little more of a cutthroat league and you may, you may be short on pay or you may, you know, they may play a bit of bully ball with you or you go to college and you know, you're even though you're a world talent, you're not compensated for it legally. So, come to Australia, you get you get a bit of everything. Um, you know, I think uh, even from when I first got here in twenty fifteen, we can all we all know from twenty fifteen to now, basketball in Australia has just absolutely blossomed. And a lot of that is because of, you know, what the NBL has been able to do, you know, Larry Kesselman and, and Jeremy Leleg are now um, you know, like this having the, you know the brains and wits of how they navigate this basketball space in the world is like an amazing thing. It's amazing.
0: Um. So now back to sort of your career. Um. You played with Melbourne United almost all season. Um. What was that like to sort of be there, um, and experience and win a championship?
1: Um. It was. Uh, it was amazing. That's what you play for. You know, you played to win that championship. So. Um, to you know, I still I have that ring right now sitting uh, <laughs> sitting at the house um, yeah. Yeah. And on the mantle. So you know, it's just it's just you know special. One of the best leagues in the world, and to you know to be a champion of that league, you know what my part was small, of course. But um, you know, every every part, every piece is you know it's integral when it comes to winning the whole thing. So. Um, It's nice to take that year and take what I can glean from that year, you know, for myself or pass it on to other people, and you see what a championship culture looks like, what a championship team looks like, one that wins, you know, the whole league, wins it all, and at a high, high level in the world of sport, and, you know, it really is a team that has fun and thoroughly, like, enjoys each other and then pushes each other, like, to the brink, like you know, there's trainings, there's practices where it's like, you know, you, yeah. <laughs> you got to trying to take your teammates head off, right? And then, and then you got to have that person's back the next day. And, but that's the only way you get better. Um, you know, and, and a credit to, you know, all, all the guys, you know, all the coaches, um, you know, it was such a, it was such a great year for all of us. Like it's one from. Guys like Baba Sun, Uda, Scotty Hobson, you know, Maka, Mitch McCarron, you know, Jock Landale, like, that whole crew, and it was just so special, you know, how, how everyone came together, and, and, um, we came out on top.
0: So, what's that like, um, you know, you call your family, um, after the game, um, you, you know, I'm an NBA champion.
1: Mm. Yeah, it was, uh, well, well, they were watching, they were watching yeah, the game, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just something special to be a part of, man. Um, you know, you, you know, those are some moments in in sports where you know I, I think back to when I was, you know, in my backyard with my Iverson braids, <laughs> wearing my <laughs> Reeboks, just shooting in the dirt. Back then, I had my, back then, look, I had my basketball shoes. I wear them in the dirt, and then I yeah. walk onto the court and wear them onto the court. It was a different time. Yeah. Like, right? <laughs> um so you know i think back from those days and how much i just you know i just enjoyed and loved the game i never put a ridiculous amount of pressure on myself i just always played and and, and loved it and then you know to think that i would you know be able to experience moments like this in groups and environments like this is something i didn't really dream of
0: um so now the 2021 uh nba1 season was cancelled um now for that next season um you saw with the Frankston Blues what was that like because um, now and how do you find adjusting to different uh, I guess situations or teams and things like that
1: um it's uh it's it's exciting like an exciting challenge um, to change up the the change up what you've been doing for a while you know i had done McKinnon and Melbourne United kind of went a bit back and forth between those two seasons and between training and playing and preseason, like I did that for about three, four years. So um, to change up the the feng shui, I guess you could say, right, and change up the environment, new coaches, new teammates. You know, it, it had to be a it had to be a decision that I like took my time with, and had to be smart with it. And you know, when I met with Frankston and Wayne Holdsworth, and you know, from the coaches, Jacko, to Harmsey, like that crew, man, that is a like awesome environment. I can't like I can't describe it. I'm actually gonna after this, after you know we finish this, Max, and I'm headed down for you know we have a preseason boxing and beach workout and you know do, practice. Do they
0: work you hard? Do they work you
1: hard. Oh yeah, but I mean you know we we plan on like we're we're a club that's playing to win the whole thing, right? Yeah, Yeah. So when you when you're in those when you're treating it like that, working hard is definitely a uh, a component of that. There's a lot of teams that are just kind of coasting, and yeah. and they'll continue <laughs> to coast. So,
0: <laughs> um, so how did you sort of become a part um of Hoop City?
1: Uh, how I become part of Hoop City? Yeah. So I uh, I mean I I've always been huge in my coaching life. I've coached VJBL teams ever since I came out here. I've done you know I've done um, I coached Wesley first as well, and with VJBL, you know, I won, you know, one met one, a couple of seasons with with a couple of different teams. So, like, I've always enjoyed my coaching. Like, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. As I told you earlier, right? Like, my family works in education, so yeah. I feel like it's almost like it's a bit in that space. You know, you get to be a mentor, you get to help and provide with you know a bit of an outlook on some things and build character, and um i had just begun running you know some holiday program or not holiday programs but some camps some holiday camps for my with my own for myself i had a couple coaches helping me and they went they went really well and then around that same time hoop city was was coming up and and um you know i'm familiar with the guys who who own it and and yeah biz and mo i know you know of course you know (laughs) um and biz and they uh, yeah, we actually were we actually uh, golfing um, the first time, golfing at the Cathedral Golf Course. For anyone listening who golf ad, golf uh, fanatics, Cathedral Course was just Google it. It's like ridiculous. Never in a million years would you, will you play there, right? And um, <laughs> playing there was like it was super exciting. But that was the first time we spoke about Hoop City. It was pretty. It was you know in its early stages. And um, I was like, man, if this ever gets off, you know, I'd like to be a part of it. And so it was really, really a long time coming, and finally, you know, here we are right now. So,
0: um, so what do you sort of do on a daily basis? I mean, you love coaching. What do you do on a daily basis around Hoop City?
1: So yeah, I love my coaching, but an extension of that, you know, as you, you know, as you get a little older, and you transition and you, you try to pass down from your experience. You know, it's, it's a uh, just a development space and development curriculum like what does it take to to create like the next basketballer um, Australia basketball has always had big time clubs you know you look at these massive clubs in Melbourne mm. and they you know that that dominate all of Australia and then you look at like the Victorian state leagues you look at these institutions and these clubs and you realize wait they're all about they're about team development yeah, yeah, um, and of course the A I S, uh, yes, it's the AIS. It's <laughs> going to be unique. It's going to be different. But the state level teams, the state programs, they all, and as well as clubs, they all teach that brand. There's kind of no one to teach, you know, the the fresh new, quick, fast basketball that is the world now. You know, it kind of needs a breath of fresh air, right? Um, and a place that's purely dedicated to just getting, creating the next basketballer to be the best version of themselves, and you know, and, and and some of the things that details that make make it all come together is you know the fact that this place is the only you know NBL accredited development pathway in mm. in the country, so you know we have the vouching for it. It's not like we're just saying it, so. Um, it's pretty cool.
0: Um. So, what's it like to um be a part of you know the home of Melbourne United?
1: What's it like to be a part of the home? It's um, it's good. It's you know you you get to uh,
0: see the guys.
1: You get to see the guys, which are my which are my, my my boys, my brothers. <laughs> um. You know, I was just I was uh, I, I never got a chance to play with. Well, I haven't had a chance to play with Delhi. Yeah, yeah, obviously I know the rest of the guys, but but being able to work here, you know, I feel like I played I feel like I've been playing with Deli because we, you know, we have conversations all the time. Um, so it's it's special because you get to, you know, you get to have an environment where younger players can come in, or, or players who are preparing for college they can come in, and you know, they're rubbing shoulders with with CG forty three as he walks out. They're rubbing shoulders with with Joe, you know, Joe Big Joe who will be yeah, the MVP Joe. of the. Yeah. Of the NBL, yeah, he's got to be the MVP. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> there's no doubt about so it. So when you got like the MVP of the NBL, you know, in your facility, it it, it can help that that 18 year old, that 19 year old think, man. So this is what it looks like. This is what it takes to be, yeah. You know, you you put in the work. starts in starts in the weight room. You know, it starts, you know, with your mental approach, and then you put in the work. You know, the shooting machines for reps. Then you get on the court and you grind.
0: So what's it like? I mean, what's your um, main focus um, when when coaching?
1: Um, my main focus when coaching is you know how to how to instill the how to instill the muscle memory of of being efficient and elite in all your movements you know because we have a, you have a lot of players who find a way to you know go hard for half the possessions then another possession they kind of will coast and go through yeah, yeah. But if you can find, if you can find that that will and desire to be locked in and engaged every possession, then you're becoming more pro-like. So how do we make every rep our best rep? You know, my, one of my favorite expressions is, you know, why is why is this next rep not the best rep of the day? What's stopping it? Is it because you're tired? Is it because you just in, you know like yeah. oh, I'll just go through the motion? Because neither one are excuses. Yeah. You know, so how do you create that to be the the accountability they hold themselves to, right? How do you create that to be the status they hold themselves to? And when you start to chip away at that, okay, eight out of ten of their reps are like high octane. They're not going to always get the result they want. They might yeah, miss yeah. the shot, but if the cut was efficient, if the you know that euro step finish was, they really created the separation like they like they wanted to. The floater was, you know, beautiful technique, it, albeit their own technique, but it was a beautiful one. Like it was locked in. Are those the things that you're getting out of every rep? Then you're getting better.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, now, sort of to finish off, Dylan, what's your best advice um, to anyone who wants to be um, a professional basketballer and be successful and be beyond like yourself?
1: Um, my, my best advice is when you, if you're depending on the age, right? When you're young, you want to have fun. You want to have fun with it. That's that's always numero uno, right? You want to you want to enjoy it because it's a process, and you got to enjoy the process. You, you're not going to get something out of it if you don't enjoy it. That's number one, right? And then number two, as you get, as you start to progress, and you you know you come a bit older in it, you gotta be you gotta be a uh, you gotta be a gym rat, and you have to be your toughest critic. Um, one thing you'll find if you you know if you come to an MBO practice or if you're at a you know pro practice, there's not much room for mistakes, and you don't need coaches to be you know. On your on your ass about making a mistake, because pros are on their own ass about making a mistake, right? Yeah, yeah. So you need to be a tough critic, and you need to hold yourself to a, to this to the standard. But this is as you get older. The first component of it is before you get to that point, you you gotta have fun. Like that's you gotta have fun with it because it's a fun game. We're all fortunate to be involved around a game. So so like we all see the beauty, we all see the joy in it. Um, you know, it could be the same for soccer, it could be the same for footy, it could be the same for cricket, even though I find cricket quite boring. <laughs> yeah. It could be the same for um, whatever sport you play, but, um, you know, you, you have fun with it in your early days, and as you start to get older, you start taking more serious, and you're pursuing college, or you're pursuing pro, or you're just pursuing, you know, state team, you know, how, how do you hold yourself accountable when no one's looking? How do you, how do you treat yourself like what it takes to to be the best um that's that's what's important you know you gotta gotta be your biggest fan and your big, biggest critic at the same time
0: thanks dylan so much for coming on today and share your um great and inspiring story um of coaching and playing uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on
1: um thank you and you are absolutely killing it man you're like an awesome <laughs> interviewer thanks. and you're a great podcaster and um you know your presence is like it's awesome and you have a long career in front of you bro
0: thanks <laughs>
1: have, but remember have fun with it yeah yeah thanks so <laughs> much for coming
0: on dylan stay tuned everyone on 1116 SEN for some more sporting max this is sporting max with max becker on SEN